Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. We uh, actually have a week of fasting and prayer coming up, and I wanted to uh, talk to you about the subject of prayer. And uh, it is amazing that uh, we are able to access uh, the throne room of God, able to access the Holy of Holies, uh, which was actually uh, guarded bef- uh, before Jesus, of course, uh, in his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, the veil was torn, uh, and uh, we were able to access now by the blood of Jesus. No longer uh, did they have to sacrifice bulls, goats, and, and uh, the things of that nature to cover the sins. And, that, of course, those sacrifices could never um, eradicate sin, only the precious blood of Jesus could wash us and make us whole and give us the access that we needed in order to do what we can do to this day. And so I would like to talk to you about um, that dynamic. And of course, uh, there is a responsibility upon the church to pray. Isn't that right? Uh, we, we have both the privilege and the responsibility. And it is, of course, uh, known that Jesus, uh, if, if he was ever irritated, I guess he was irritated about them making uh, God's house a den of thieves. I don't know if you remember that. And, in, in, and he fashioned a whip. We don't know of any other time him doing this, flipping over tables. He, was just, he just got a little bit, you know, irritated, wouldn't you say? And uh, because of his zeal for the house of God... And uh, he said that you have taken uh, the house of God, which is to be a house of what? Prayer and made it a den of thieves. So we know that, that Jesus, of course, uh, believes that if there's any uh, one thing, a major thing that would be, uh, you know, a part of the church would be prayer. And, uh, of course, uh, worship um, is, is the highest kind of prayer. Uh, it is uh, a form of interaction and communing with God, which uh, defines prayer. Isn't that right? Um, and so, so one person, uh, uh, Patsy uh, uh, Caminetti, she actually said that um, you can either take the stairwell by praying into the presence or you can take the elevator by worshiping. And I liked, I really, I stuck with me, like, oh, that's really good, you know. And uh, so, so when, when the disciples talked to Jesus and uh, he said, uh, or, or, you know, they asked him, uh, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So to hallow the name of the Father would be to worship. Isn't that right? We enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And so it would be a great way to begin praying. Um, and again, therefore, I am just saying that worship is the highest kind of prayer and makes a great beginning, middle, and end to your praying. So at no time do we not be thankful or worshipful while we're praying. Isn't that right? Glory to God. And sometimes it comes in waves when you begin to learn about the dynamics of prayer uh, that you'll find you'll go and begin with worship and he takes you into intercession and prayer and you go back into worship and you go back out into and you deal with certain something else and you then come out and worship and you go back in and do something else. It is an interesting flow, ebb and flow like tides. Isn't that right? And if, if, if you um, have not yet uh, experienced these dynamics, uh, we invite you to join with us Amen. and pray. We pray every Tuesday um, at 530 together, and you can learn how to pray. 
Uh, we actually, um, this week, uh, we had been before uh, the uh, pandemic, we had been praying at seven when we do fasting and prayer, but uh, there was all kinds of th- different things that took place, and uh, we started doing it at 5.30 across the board, but I've had many people say that we would have liked to have joined you, Pastor, but we can't get there at 5.30. So here, um, we are trying to uh, do something a little different this week and do it at seven across the board, even Tuesday, just so you know, that we'll be here at seven. And if you would like to, to join with us and sense and feel that ebb and flow and, and, and start developing uh, an understanding and a sensitivity of prayer, uh, because uh, prayer isn't something that you automatically know how to do. I just have to be honest. When you get, get saved, uh, this is being born again. You're actually like a newborn babe. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of things we can say physically and naturally that a newborn baby does not know how to do, right? Uh, number one, walk, right? Nor feed itself. And I think we could go on. But see, when, when people don't develop uh, certain aspects of their Christian walk, then those things need to be developed. Isn't that right? And so believers need to develop uh, 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 the ability to be effective in prayer. I said believers need to develop the ability to be effective in prayer. Praise the Lord. And uh, uh, so there's different types of prayer. We, We really don't... In one service, there's no way to uh, completely talk about all the details of prayer. Uh, but I would like to, to, to create a hunger, a desire in the people of God to pray. I pull on some people when I'm, uh, you know, I ask them to pray for me. Our staff pray for me. Pray for, of course, um, I'm standing in this position. Our pastors are, are in a healing process. Uh, but, but we would pray for them or pray for whoever would be standing up here to deliver the word of God. Because if the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, is saying, pray for me so that I may have, uh, that I could preach the gospel boldly as I ought to speak, that would mean that each and every person who stands before people, however many people are in front of them, need prayer in order to open that door of utterance. God uh, can't just do whatever he wants to do. Say, what, Pastor Andy? Isn't he sovereign? And that is the misunderstanding. And that could be why people don't pray. Is they think, well, God's going to do whatever he wants to. That is just not true. That is not scriptural. God does not just do whatever he wants to. Y'all with me? I shouldn't say that. He is sovereign in that he has sovereignly delegated authority to humanity. We know the problem. He delegated to humanity. And and Adam turned it over to Satan. Therein lies the problem. And so he still uh, holds somewhat a lease on the earth because Adam gave it to him. Do you understand? And you say, well, that's, you know, but, but God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That is true. He ultimately owns everything, ultimately is in charge, but he, uh, being sovereign, has released that authority. And he doesn't take it back because Satan told, uh, you know, Jesus, bow before me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. If it wasn't true, Jesus would have said, they're not yours. Jesus didn't tell them they weren't yours. Why? Because they were his legally. Because Adam gave them to him. And Jesus, of course, said, you know what? 
I ain't bowing to you, bro. You know what I'm saying? Get behind me, joker. And it says that the Satan left him for a season. And so, so we know that he does, uh, he is called the God of this world. And that also, even worse, is he rules in the hearts of the children of disobedience. Isn't it interesting? They're called the children of disobedience. Now, what I would hate to find out is if you are born again and still acting in that capacity. Is that possible? Absolutely. So, so all the more reason uh, for us who are in the know and enlightened that we have uh, this responsibility to access the heavenlies, to access the throne of God. God to produce that which he desires because he must have a man to uh, come before him in order for him to do what he is going to do in the earth because otherwise he would be violating his own covenant and his own release of authority. He does not subvert the the authority that he releases. So you're born again, child of God, and you have authority he said, I give you, Jesus said, I give you authority, right? Y'all with me? And so that authority is what we operate in when we come before the throne of God. We stand before him. Isn't that wonderful? Ah, our hearts cry, Abba, Father. Isn't that wonderful? That's daddy. It's a real intimate. We can come before daddy and say, daddy. <laughs> We have a little bit of a challenge here in the United States of America. I'm coming before you today on behalf of my nation. Our sins are many. I ask you to forgive us as a nation our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come and move upon our places of authority. Glory to God. Petitioning, standing in the gap. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. This is a statement by John Wesley. He said, it seems God is limited by our prayer life that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Smith Wigglesworth said this, there's something about believing God that will cause him to pass over a million people to get to you. Glory to God. Kenneth Hagin said this, I would ask people what they believed when they get, got up from prayer. Some would say, I hope God heard me. I would say, he didn't. If you believe, you will receive, not if you hope you will receive. So there's some dynamics governing prayer, if you will, laws that govern prayer uh, that, that we need to understand in order to have the results in our homes, our lives, our families, right? Our marriage, in our children. And those things are very close to our hearts. Those things are very close to home. But there is no limit to the person who believes. Our communities, our communities, right? Injustices, different things, right? 
praise God. We could blame, uh, put the blame on certain people, but we're going to see from God's word that the responsibility for ruling and reigning is on us. The condition of our, our country, the condition of our world is on the church. So let's look at uh, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. This is the New King James. It says, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For, for who? All men. Uh, that would mean everyone, isn't that right? Saved, unsaved, uh, that would be every country, every race, every village, every town, every tribe, every tongue, right? Yes. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2 says, for kings and all who are in authority. So now we know that we are to pray for uh, people that are in positions of power, isn't that right? And influence. And then it says that we may that we may uh, lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And uh, so, so he encourages us uh, to pray for all people. Praise God. And sometimes we get angry with people and we think that, that we should just give them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. You know, and that's Paul did pray that way, uh, actually, or he did communicate with the Corinthian church uh, because uh, that there was a, a, some guy had his dad's wife. In other words, his stepmom, uh, he was having uh, relations with his stepmother. And the apostle Paul, he says, I've judged such an one and I've given him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his soul would be saved. So apparently it's possible for you to go so far out that your soul wouldn't be saved. Y'all with me? So Paul's praying that, that he gets taken out so that he can go to heaven. Isn't that crazy? Because he's got this unspeakable thing going on. And, and Paul's like, man, you don't even see this in the Gentiles. Even the world knows better than this. <laughs> Y'all with me? So, so that we have this, this account in the word of God of that. But I'm telling you, I, I, you don't see this all the time in the Bible. So we can't just keep giving everybody over to Satan. So they say, God will kill him. Just kill him. We'd be killing everybody, isn't that right? Kill my husband. He hurt my feelings. I'm going to kill him. Just take him out, Lord, and replace him. (laughs) But that's not the Spirit of God. We see that the disciples, uh, you know, they were wanting to call fire down from heaven on the people that were preaching the gospel. Jesus said, you don't even know what spirit you're speaking of. In other words, you've crossed over into agreement with he who comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. So Jesus came, died for all humanity. Uh, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Other translations say, while we are still his enemies, he died for us. And so we are praying for people that are not really nice or lovable or kind. You know what I'm saying? We're praying for them. Amen. That wicked boss... Those people that persecute you for X, Y, Z were praying for them, believing God to change them. Amen? Hallelujah. People who have done us wrong, 
We have to pray for him. Right? Praise God. Hallelujah to Jesus. <laughs> in the Amplified Bible, in the same uh, passage of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, in the Amplified, it says, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, specific requests, prayers, intercessions, prayers for others, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all people. For kings and all who are in positions of high authority, so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So, so we are uh, praying. I mean, we could get you know selfish about it. I, I guess if you really think about it, is a good reason to pray for those in authority is so that we can have peace. Amen. I mean, how do you put a premium on peace? We don't know, you know, those of us who have lived in the United States, uh, we don't know what it means to live in a war-torn uh, place. I mean, we, we drive down streets, everybody stops at the, well, most people stop at the red light, you know. <laughs> I know we've, we've all, you know, wanted to uh, say colorful metaphors to people who go through, you know, and you're like, whoa, you know, it's green. What did you do that for? I could have got killed. You know, we start thinking that way. But again, uh, there is a certain amount of peace in our land. We're thankful and grateful that for the most part, we have laws and people for the most part are following those. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we go in and we have peace. We go into the store and there's food there for us. Isn't that right? And I know that we have, you know, cameras, alarm systems, and different things, you know, and all that kind of stuff because of the elements that are not walking in that, uh, you know, type of revelation. Uh, but for the most part, we are so blessed. And you look at countries, um, you can measure their godlessness by lack of peace. Isn't that right? Lack of peace by their godlessness. And so we are praying because there are forces in this world trying to move that chaos into our country. And it is, it is worthwhile for us to stand in their way and say, not on my watch. Y'all with me? And so we um, have, yes, yes, certainly vote. Yes, certainly, uh, you know, do your due diligence to educate yourself and, and vote according to your conscience based on the word of God. That's, that's true. But listen, when it comes down to it, we know that that is not really, honestly, the thing that brings about change. It is prayer. Because it is our, the heart of our country because we are uh, a democracy and we could say the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, but the king in our nation, because we have a democracy, is the people. Y'all with me? So we need a heart change in the United States of America. To take people's hearts and turn them towards God, that we come before him and cry out for our leaders, cry out for um, uh, positions of authority, whether, uh, you know, government or state or, or city or whatever, that we are crying out for our nation to raise up righteousness because when righteousness reigns, the people rejoice. 
And so we're, we, are, we are coming together to cry out for our nation. And yes, the world. We know that, that God is not an American. You'd think he was. You know, we, we just really are arrogant when it comes to that as, as people of the United States of America. But we are the church. There is a universal church. And we need to pray for the, the whole world. We need to pray for the church at large. There's people being persecuted, being, being burned and tortured and imprisoned and, and, and all kinds of different things. And, and it's so easy for us to forget our own little troubles that we're having here in the United States. You know, say, oh, we just, you know, oh, God, help us, oh, God, help us. In comparison, we're doing really good. <laughs> it's not perfect, but it's good. At least it's been good, right? And we are crying out for change in the United States, yes. But God is a, is a universal God. Jesus died for all humanity, from, from the North Pole to the South, from East to West. He died for all humanity. And when we come into the throne room of God and stand before the maker of all things, uh, then we get his mind and we begin to uh, know where he wants us to go. What is it that we need to get done today, Lord? What would you have me to pray? How would you have me to pray? We see in Romans 8.26, you know, we, we do um, have a, a responsibility to know God's word and understand God's word. And, and uh, the revelation of his word makes us more effective. But when it comes right down to it in Romans 8.26, it says, We know not how to pray as we are. Isn't that interesting? This is the Apostle Paul. If, if he's saying we, he means he's talking about himself. We know not how to pray as we are. But the Spirit of God knows the Father's heart, knows His mind, and He's able to give us words or groanings, the Scriptures say. One translation says that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. In other words, in your known language. So we come to a certain place, we come uh, where we exhaust our understanding of the way things are and the realities of our world and, and that which is to come. And we have to go over into the Spirit and pray in an unknown tongue the things that God would have done in the earth. Because uh, he that prays in an unknown tongue, right? His Spirit prays, but his mind is unfruitful. We speak mysteries or divine secrets to God. And so this, this uh, with groanings, I mean, literally, you talk about groanings moving over into a realm of into the spirit where you're doing something, pushing something that your mind is unaware of, but you're pushing. And, and it sounds like, uh, like you're, you know, a woman in labor. Oh, I got a moan out of somebody out there. It's like, mm, yes. Those who have had a baby, they know, oh, that's no joke. I mean, blood vessels break in their face and neck. And I mean, it's no joke. And Paul said, I travail in birth again. I travail in birth again. What does he mean by that? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's look at that. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, this is King James, it says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. In the new King James, it says, For whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Why did he say again? What is this travail? What is he, what is he talking about? Until Christ be formed in you. 
He's, he's doing that labor uh, in the spirit until that God inside of you works its way out into your experience. That you become a mature believer living out the life that God has placed on the inside of you until Christ be formed in you. So he travailed in birth. Actually, uh, we could look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. In the New King James, it says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So, so he gave birth uh, for them to get born again through the gospel. Now he travails in birth again until Christ is formed in them. Meaning living out the good life. So there's a certain amount of, of prayer that has been involved uh, through our pastors, through our staff, through people of the church coming and joining us, praying for the church. If you have come to a place of revelation, uh, come to a place of obedience, if you've come to a place of uh, cooperation and flowing with God, it's because somebody prayed. Somebody prayed for you. Uh, much of, of my ministry, um, I've been yielded to Pastor David, so there is a much of it that would go to a credit of him standing before God on my behalf. Yes, he does that. That's what shepherds do. Yes, we stand before God on your behalf saying, God, we thank you for the church arising and becoming that church that you desire it to be. That each home, each individual, each family, everybody growing up in him who is the head. There's a lot to that, but prayer is essential. If you want to become what God has made you and created you to be, someone needs to pray. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, he's saying uh, that he travails in birth. And we know that there is a, an aspect of praying in the Holy Ghost that takes your prayer life to a whole nother dimension. Isn't that right? And I do believe you should pray in English. I think you uh, need to have an involvement with your soul in prayer. But we know that we do not know all things. And that we can't pray to the level of which the Holy Ghost can help us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, thank God, thank God. for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So we've been granted access into the Holy of Holies. This is amazing. We opened up with that mentioning that, but I'm telling you that there is the honor, the privilege, the God who created everything, including you, the God who made everything, invites you in. Come. Come, call unto me and I'll answer you. Show you great and mighty things that which you know it not. When you research that, it's actually that there's deep caverns of, of revelation and understanding that God is calling you in saying, come, I want to show you something, Dennis. I want to show you something. I got something to show you, my son. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And Lily, he call you in. There's something I want to show you about your husband. I want to show you something about your wife. I want to show you something about your kids. Let me show this to you about your son, Benjamin. I mean, you want to try and raise a child on your own in your own intelligence? 
God bless you. They are all so unique and so different and peculiar and specific. You couldn't possibly know everything. You were involved and that's about it. And now we are left with and depending on God for his help to, to do to the child, to raise the child, to train up the child in the way he should go. Holy Spirit. Woo, boy, what an edge. <laughs> you can be running along doing your business thinking, I'm, you know, I'm just doing good. And the Holy Spirit says, you need, to, you need to pull off, pull over, and get beside your son. I'm like, oh, okay, yes, sir. Do what he says. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. Praise God. So each one of us have a part. Each one of us have something to play in this role. To pray. Praise God. We need people who will pray the price. Stand before God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Let's look in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. (laughs) Praise God. There is no other place that has the supply that you need. Have you ever needed something and you went from store to store to place to place? Now you even, you know, asked Google. For sure, Google knows. Amazon must have it. And has anybody ever done that? And you're like, oh my goodness, doesn't anybody have this? Well, this is... Provision that you can find at no other place. The only place that you can get this is if you'll go into the presence of God. And everything that you need is available there. For every aspect and every difficulty of your life. Every challenge. All that we need has been supplied. We sing songs about it. But if we really believed it, then we would go in and get it. Isn't that right? You know, we sing, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Help me out, Mr. Boy. Is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto one. Right? But yet, we keep running around. We keep Googling. That's an interesting name. That's a good name for what Christians do. Say, are you just Googling? (laughs) I mean, you could get some things done if you Google. But you can sure do a whole lot more. If you'll stand before God and you'll save yourself a lot of time, a lot of money, praise God. 
You can save a lot of money if you just shut the internet down. I talk to a lot of people that are addicted to the internet and purchasing things on the internet. I mean, there's just a constant flow. Amazon just keeps coming by. It's crazy. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. This is the New King James. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Where do you go when you need something? Boldly. There is an access to the throne that requires an attitude of boldness. What does that mean? That means that you are confident that he wants you there. You are confident when you go before him that he will supply what it is that you need. Why confidence? Well, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But I come in, I know, praise God, because of the blood. Jesus purchased this. I have the right because of the blood, not because I'm cool, good, or nice, because of the blood. That means everybody in the room, everybody listening to this, you are able to access. The enemy wants you to feel less. The enemy wants you to feel like you can't, like you're unqualified because of this thought, that thought, that deed, your past, what people have done to you. None of those things matter. Boldly come in, stand tall, act like you belong there. Act like you're family. Hallelujah to Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he, he just says, oh, it's so good to see you. I'm so thankful you finally quit Googling and have come to me. Because I could have saved you a whole bunch of time. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, this both actually means a Jew and a Gentile. So he has made the two one in Christ Jesus, and we both have access. Everybody say, I have access. I have access. It is so amazing that he sees us no differently, that he sees us in Christ no differently, Jew or Gentile. We were engrafted in, we are adopted into the family, which is adoption is more powerful than birth, just so you know. In the uh, Hebrew culture, if you adopt a child, you cannot get rid of that child. But apparently if you give birth to a child, you can not sure where that's going, but anyway. <laughs> so we've been adopted in. And of course, Paul warns us, if, he says, if, you, if the original branch was cut off, beware how you live. Because you were engrafted in. Do you understand? And these things were an example to us to live for God and live right. 
if you look at the Old Testament. And so we come before him boldly. There is no reason. It's like, oh, hi, I'm one of the engrafted, adopted children. It's not like that. You are a child of the living God. Have all the rights and privileges of all the children. Praise God. So we boldly come before him. Glory to God. And uh, we know Hebrews, we're all very familiar with Hebrews, that they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We come before him with this consciousness because without faith it is impossible, right? It is impossible to please him. Without faith you have no access. So we boldly come in knowing what? The blood has been applied. Woo, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. We just stand before him without guilt or shame or any sense of condemnation. He's my daddy. He's your daddy. We are brothers and sisters. We are a family. And we go in there. Hey, hey. Isn't that wonderful? So good. So good. <laughs> so, um, so we have access um, together with the Jews and, and the Gentiles. Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Again, we see the blood. And we see that we are going into the holiest. What that means is the highest court. We are going before the supreme court. We are going before the supreme court. And if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of him. Woo! Woo! Man, this is big stuff. The, the creator of all things. The creator of all things, the all-powerful, all-knowing God grants us access. We have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have favor. And say, oh, what would you say? I mean, we, we have natural illustrations. I mean, if, if uh, the president of the United States uh, said he wanted to meet with you, you would, you would probably say, oh, ride hot and hang up. Isn't that right? Sure, this is Joe. <laughs> right? I don't think so. But we have greater who calls us up. Whew. He says, I, I would like for you to come before me tomorrow. Can you be with me tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening? Have you set a, a meeting with him? Because he wants to show you stuff. And listen, I don't want to pretend like you have to be real mature in order for this to happen. He does this right when you get saved. And he's so happy. Oh, I want to talk to you. And the new believer uh, who hasn't been uh, discouraged yet just goes on in. I know, I've been talking to some of these people just coming to the Lord in their older years, coming to the Lord. And they're telling me about their experiences in God's presence. And they're weeping and crying. 
It just convicts me of sin, I'm telling you. Because they're so tender-hearted. So what does it take to go into his presence? Just the blood. Not years of service. Not revelation and understanding of the deep things of God. Just a simple fact. I just just want to be with him. And he wants to be with me. And it's in that presence that he directs your life and ministers to you and helps you and strengthens you. Praise God. I want that. I want that. Praise the Lord. (laughs) This one particular brother, he he said, Pastor Andy, I've come to the place where I feel like if I threw my Bible against the wall and it landed on the floor, God would start talking to me from it. And I said, you go ahead then. And you'll hear people who instruct people on, on study, right? They'll say, don't be one of those who just drops your Bible and wherever it opens, uh, that's where you study from. How can I take that from a brand new Christian who said that every time the thing opens, God talks to him about his circumstances? That's where his faith is. He's saying it's impossible to open the book and not have God talk to you. And you want me to come against him for that? I don't think so. I've been tempted to throw mine against the wall. (laughs) That's where his faith is. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo. Hebrews 10.22. Oh, man, I'm out of time. Shoot. Sorry. (laughs) Hebrews 10.22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It says, how do we draw near? With full assurance of faith. I've actually already shared uh, Jeremiah 33, 2 and 3. I've, I've quoted, but it says, this is what the Lord says, the Lord who made the earth who formed and established it, whose name is the Lord, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. The message says it this way, I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. Praise God. Never figure out. Never figure out. So until we jump off our natural train and jump into the supernatural and get before God, we'll keep running around chasing our tails, really not being effective, really not producing. But when we'll stop and say, God, can you tell me what to do? Show me what to do. Show me how to do, with whom to do, when to do, all the details, Lord, I yield to you. Because I wouldn't know unless you tell me. When you're a husband, you say, God, You've 